Wow, there you go. You know what's going to happen next, right? Everybody draws up the battle lines and you have one side over here, everybody's lined up. And on the other side, everybody else is lined up and you hear the swords, you hear the ringing and you hear the deep breaths. And if this was Braveheart, you would have Mel Gibson running up and down the line, just shouting at everybody like a football coach. And then everybody in that moment, they just start charging towards the middle and it's mayhem and it's death and it's destruction. But for the Christian soldier, imagine the same scene. And what we're called to is that we draw battle lines. Dave last week talked about how we gear ourselves up, that we have the breastplate and that we have the helmet and we have the shoes and we have the sword. But something is different for us in that when we draw up to the battle lines, imagine a huge Christian army that is standing at the battle lines and instead of running forward and charging, drops to their knees in prayer. This morning, what I want us to understand, what I want us to hear is that prayer for the Christian is a weapon. That we are called to use that in battle. We are in a world that is full of battles. On a macro level, just look at what happened in our world this week. It's unbelievable. I get breaking news alerts on my phone and it didn't stop this week. There is a battle on this macro level and then many of you are coming here this morning and you are fighting a battle on this micro level that there is stuff going on with you personally, there's stuff going on in your family, with your friendships, in your jobs and it's a battle. And, and I don't know how often we go to the word and we see that prayer is calling us that we use this as a weapon that God has given us. There's a guy, a pastor named Kent Hughes, and he says, to those who would engage in spiritual warfare, regardless of how well they wear the truth and righteousness and faith and salvation, regardless of how well they are grounded in peace, regardless of how well they wield the word, must make prayer the first thing. The Christian soldier fights on his knees. And so I have two very simple things today. And I think that in this crowd, you get it. You understand what prayer is. Many of you have done it. I, I even though love like authors like a Henry Nouwen, who even at 64 years old said, and who was a priest, who was a, a man who was a man of the word and, and helped people and was leading people, said at 64 years old, I still find myself struggling in my life of prayer. Two things today is that we are called to prayer for the battle right here in front of us and that we are called to prayer for the battle that's still ahead of us. My hope this morning is that you wouldn't learn about prayer, but that you would be inspired to pray. And so we jump into it. Would you join me in Ephesians chapter 6? And we're going to look at three verses this morning, verses 18 to 20. And this is what it says in those passages. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert and with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. 
This gives us a powerful picture of what prayer is supposed to look like, what it should look like. There's an outline in your bulletin. You can follow along with me. I just want to make a few observations about what Paul is trying to get across to the church in Ephesus. And even in that first verse, in verse 18, he's giving us quite a bit for us to look at. Number one is that our prayers should be a spirit-directed prayer. He says, pray at all times in the spirit. This means that we don't have to have all of the right words that on our behalf, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us at all times. What it says in Romans 8 is in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we should. We mess up. We, we don't get it right all of the time. But the Spirit himself, the Spirit of God intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You don't have to get it right. You don't have to have all the right words. In fact, if you find yourself just without words, you just say, Spirit of God, speak for me. Help me. I have no words. Our prayers are supposed to be Spirit-directed. But our prayers are also supposed to be continual. He says, pray at all times. And in this passage, he's talking, we, we, we see there's lots of examples, but even in the early church, Acts 2.42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is what we are supposed to be about as believers. Brother Lawrence was a man who talked a lot about prayer. Um, if you haven't had his book, read his book, it's super short. You could read it this afternoon called Practicing the Presence of God. He says, to think that we must abandon prayer conversation with God in order to deal with the world is erroneous. Instead, as we nourish our souls by seeing God in his exaltation, we will derive great joy at being his. So spirit-directed prayer. So pray in the spirit and then continual prayer that we pray always, but also varied prayer. He says, with all prayer and supplication in 1 Timothy 2, first of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. We can pray in all kinds of ways. You can pray quietly to yourself. You can pray out loud to yourself. You can pray in a group. In fact, uh, I, I do a lot of group prayer. We do a lot of prayer here at the church. We actually pray. Isn't that a great thing for us to do as pastors at the church? When you're in a prayer circle, there are six people that you would meet. Um, this is taken from a, a book uh, by a guy named Jonathan Acuff. Uh, stuff Christians like. It's kind of, it's perfect for me because it's a little bit sarcastic and tongue in cheek. But these are six people and you might have met them. And some of you will find that you are one of these people. But here are six people that you meet in prayer, okay? There is the almoster. Almost-er. Ready? This is the person sitting near you that is constantly on the verge of praying. You can hear them doing that little breath thing like the... And they're going to speak, but that little exhale before you're about to speak, but then they don't. You can almost hear it because it's loud in the deafening silence of the prayer circle. And every time you're about to say a prayer, you hear the almoster and you stop out of courtesy because you think they're going to go. And then they don't pray. So you start again and a long exhale from the almoster stops you again. It's a little bit of a dance, right? There's also the gunslinger in prayer, all right? You might be the gunslinger when there are only two people left that have not prayed in the prayer circle and the closer, sometimes you appoint the closer. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? All right, well, the gunslinger is mentally warming up to end the session. You may find yourself in a prayer showdown. It's just you and another girl that looks like a heathen right now for not praying. 
And the entire circle senses that the prayers were good, but they don't need one more before the closer prayers, praise. So they need one more tiny prayer just to kind of wrap things up. But you don't want to pray, and neither does the gunslinger. So you sit there in silence across from each other like cowboys in the streets, waiting, letting the tension, the awkwardness build until, until finally someone draws their gun and blurts out, Lord, thank you for this day and everything you've blessed us with. Done. All right? That is the gunslinger. Some of you are, anyone gunslinger around here? Yeah, you'd never say it. All right. The opener, you might think that the closer is the one with all of the power, but actually it's the opener. Uh, the opener is the one in control. In addition to often choosing the closer, they set the tone for the entire prayer circle. The opener, if they go really long and draw it out, then everybody else following them is going to go really long and draw it. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Don't pretend like you don't. Then there's the rambler. This is the guy or the gal that sees the chance to pray in front of people as an open microphone. A chance to not so subtly reference everything that they've recently learned in their quiet time in one long rambling prayer. And there's no way to stop them unless you're married to them. And if you're like my wife, you kind of, she either grabs my hand or elbows me because she says nobody wants to hear everything you learned from the book of Joel this week, right? And then there's the cave-in which is perfect for VBS, right? Um, deciding not to pray in a prayer circle is, not, is like not giving to a love offering, all right? What you, don't have, what you don't have any love in your heart, you don't feel led, you're the only person in the room that didn't get led. Maybe we should pray for you instead of the prayer circle. There's usually one person who will be the cave-in. And then finally, we have the closer. The closer is like being Spider-Man. It's a gift and a responsibility, although you get to determine when it ends. You also have to monitor the amount of quiet time that signifies everyone has gone. Because what you don't want to happen, what the closer fears mo most, is the encoreist. And that's the person after you close that they keep going. All right? So those are some of the people. But what we're called to do is we're supposed to be praying in all kinds of ways. Pray out loud. Pray quietly. Pray with other people. Grab somebody and pray. But... but there is not limits on us. You can just pray. All right, here's another one. It's persistent prayer. Um, it says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. And there's a great, great passage. In, in Luke 18, um, Jesus is talking uh, to the disciples and he's saying, this is how you should pray. And I want you to hear this because sometimes we think that our prayers, like God is just done with my prayer. I pray the same thing. I've been praying the same thing for years and years. But it says, now he was telling them a parable to show them at all times that they ought to pray and not lose heart. Jesus is telling his disciples, pray at all times and don't lose heart. Some of you have been praying for a long time about certain things and you have lost heart or you're beginning to lose heart. And so Jesus tells this story. I want you to hear this from Jesus. He says, in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God, did not respect man. And there was a widow in that city. And she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while, he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. He says, I just give up. I'll give in. Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay over, long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? 
I just want to encourage some of you who've just been going for a long, long time and you've been praying those same prayers. What I hear God saying through Jesus in this story is bother him. Give him no rest. He's inviting us to do that. And he, as the righteous judge, will come and he will answer. And then finally, in this, in this small verse, in verse 18, there's this picture of intercessory prayer, that we pray for all of the saints. Um, you get this picture of, of the disciples praying in Gethsemane, but also in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, it says, Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? There is a calling for us that we are praying for one another. Uh, I got to lead uh, our college group just a couple weeks ago. We were in Israel, and we went to the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall, and we prayed, and we brought, and I encouraged the, the, the students to, to find out who are those people. Take some prayer requests with you, and I just want you to know, some of you are on this list. I thankfully blurred out your names just in case so we didn't have up there what, hey, Sally's struggling with this and this and I didn't want to put that up there on the screen. But we put these up there and, and we prayed. We prayed for you guys. But we want to be interceding. I have a list on my phone. As I talk to people, I add their names to the list. And when I sit down and I pray, because there's no way I can possibly remember all of that. So this is what prayer looks like. When you have a battle right in front of you, this is what prayer looks like. But then Paul goes on and he says, hey, there's a battle ahead of me and I'm asking you to pray for me in this way. And he says, pray on my behalf that I would be bold in opening up my mouth, that I would be able to do this for the sake of the gospel. And so there are three things that, that Paul is asking for, that he's praying uh, in his battle that he would bear witness to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. He wants to get the word of God out there. And this is Paul's mission. This is what he is calling to action the people. He says, when you pray, pray for me because I'm here in chains and I need some boldness that I might get the gospel out. Pray for me. This is my mission. This is my calling. But not only to bear witness, but the battle to be brave. Sometimes... We need courage and sometimes we are strengthened. I've heard countless stories of people saying, I knew at the very moment that people were praying for me because something changed, something let up. And so I need to be brave to step into this. There's a story of a missionary, many of you have heard of him. His name is Richard Wormbrand. And he was caught smuggling Bibles. He was thrown into a prison with, and put into a cell with lots of other people. And as he's in the cell, he figures, hey, I have this audience of people. I'm going to take advantage of this. So while he is in prison, he is sharing the gospel with the people who are in there with him. And what he does as he's doing this, he's sharing the gospel. And the prison guards down the hall are listening and they hear him. This is not legal. He's actually thrown in prison for this very reason. They take him out, they drag him down the hallway and they take him to this torture chamber room and they beat him and beat him mercilessly. They drag what looks like his dead, lifeless body back into the jail cell where all of the other prisoners are. It's not like, you know, the Taj Mahal and all the prisons that we have where it's one or two to a room. Everybody's in the same place, right? And so they drag his lifeless body in, they drop him into the cell and the rest of the prisoners are sitting there in silence, just watching, thinking that this man is dead. And over a course of time, he's just laying there. But after a, a good chunk of time, he actually kind of pushes himself up. They see movement. He's actually still alive. He pushes himself up, kind of hoists himself up next to the wall. And he looks at everybody and he says, 
Now, where did I leave off? That's boldness. That's bravery. He wants to bear witness. And so that's what I want to challenge us with is that, that we would be bold. Paul says that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to. This is my calling. So my challenge for us today is, is very simple, that we would enter into this battle. Prayer at its most basic definition is to keep company with God. That there would be an ongoing conversation between us and the Lord. We all have a battle that we're fighting and, and the encouragement here is yes, we put on the armor, we wear it, we protect ourselves because the enemy is coming after us. But before we do any of that, we drop to our knees in prayer. That's the message this morning, but I want you to be inspired. I want you to see visibly, I want you to hear how God works things out. That God hears our prayers, that God is working. And for some of you who are in the trenches, for some of you that are losing hope, for some of you who are facing battles that just feel way, way too big for you. I want you this morning to meet a couple of friends of mine. Um, would you welcome John and Deanna Ramsey up here? Um, we just came back from family camp about two weeks ago, and it was a couple of years ago that I met John and Deanna Ramsey, and they were up at Forced Home with us and a bunch of other families. And uh, they were pastors in residence, and they kind of helped uh, host, and they were there for us and many other people and got to share their story. And um, their story is one of amazing prayer and battle and overcoming. And so I'm, I'm thankful that you guys are here and growing into it. Can I say we have a friendship? We have a friendship. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. There we go. Good. Um, so John, Deanna, tell us where you guys started um, and, and, and just fill us in on your story. Uh, she's going to be the opener and I'll be the closer. Okay, perfect. <laughs> you can perfect. be the on-chorus. I'll, I'll be the on-chorus and I'll be, I'll be here later. All right. Well done. Uh, John and I were college sweethearts, met as, mu as music majors at APU. And um, we, yes, thank you for that. APU. Um, we have four young children, and uh, John's been a worship pastor our whole married life, and we've, music has kind of been the thing that um, has been the, a part of the foundation of our relationship. And uh, we moved to Orange County about six years ago as Mariner's Church hired John as a worship pastor there. And um, it was about two and a half years ago, we were actually headed up to Hume Lake to lead worship for a couples conference up there. And as we pulled into camp, John just did not feel well. He didn't know if he was getting the flu, and so he had a bad headache, and he stayed in bed that whole weekend at Hume Lake and didn't join me leading worship. Um, we got home, and he was feeling better. And his parents came over to stop by our house, and his mom, as many of you can probably relate to this, his mom pulled me aside and said, Deanna, you know, John doesn't get sick like that. He doesn't get headaches often. Why don't you take him to the ER and just get him checked out? We'll watch the four kids. And so I broached the subject with John, and John's like, I am not going to the emergency room for a headache. <laughs> no, thank you. And he goes, and besides, I'm not paying $100 to, like, go. We don't have $100 to go to the emergency room. And so his mom was, said, okay, that's fine, and she left. And about 20 minutes later, she showed up on our doorstep and handed us a $100 bill and said, why don't you just go and get it checked out? So we drove, and on the way there, John turns to me, and he's like, this is so lame. What am I going to say? I'm 37, and my mom made me come to the emergency room because I have a headache. 
And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. So we go in and John tells them, oh, my mom made me come here, but just give me some Tylenol and send me home. And they're like, okay, that's fine. They ran some tests and about 1130 that night, the um, ER doctor walked into our little room and closed the door um, behind him and he sat down and he said, uh, I am so sorry, you guys, um, but we found a massive brain tumor. And um, he said, I can't release you to go home. You're going to be admitted into ICU right now, and you're going to have brain surgery in the next 24 hours. And um, called my mother-in-law, who had our four kids. Our youngest was eight months at the time, and said we weren't coming home and spent the next weeks at the hospital. And the doctor, before surgery, sat us down and just kind of explained what the risks were. And it was just little things all the way to death and said we don't know what's, what the outcome will be. And so... Um, after 11 hours of surgery, came out and said that your husband is alive, um, but they said uh, we, we did sever his hearing nerve, and so he now is deaf in his right ear, and um, he also has facial paralysis on the right side of his face. And so over the coming weeks, John learned how to walk again and how to eat again and throw a ball again, and we learned that he could not continue as a worship pastor, lost his job, just unable to do that role. And so we really began this journey of being um, desperate for the Lord and realizing that prayer was our only weapon because there was nothing physically that we could do. And so, um, yeah, do you want to continue yeah. on that? <laughs> um, the, the one upside of a brain tumor and single-sided deafness is, is when you have an eight-month-old and you, and you go to sleep at night, you put your good ear on the pillow... <laughs> And, so convenient. Um, so it's, convenient. It's fantastic. So, no, the, honestly, um, what we learned, it, so that's the, that's the context, right, of, of what then God uh, showed us and began to do in our lives. And so to, as we're talking about prayer, man, we learned so much about prayer so, and, and experienced some things that we never experienced in our life. So, uh, you know, 12 o'clock at night, I'm wheeled into ICU and um, uh, 24 hours later I was in surgery and as I'm sitting on the OR table um, and looking up at my doctor I said um, hey uh, I don't I don't really know what the amount is but we just kind of put this up on social media and I said we have um, we have about 20,000 people that are praying for you right now <laughs> and my neurosurgeon just said well I've never heard that one before <laughs> like that's that's amazing. And, and the, you know, as we're talking about better together, like I'm like, I was overwhelmed with the church community and not just my church. Like I've met people from random churches and they said, oh yeah, we, we've been praying for you on Sunday mornings. And I'm, I'm you know, baffled by, by this. And yet my soul is just so grateful because I know that God had me in that moment. I had a, a group of friends. There were, there were you know, 50, 100 people that were marching around Mission Hospital um, that morning and praying and singing worship songs. And just people all day. In the, it was an 11-hour surgery. And so all day, the nurse even came into the, to the OR and said, who, who is, why are there so many people in the waiting room? And just overwhelmed with gratitude that there were people that were praying for me. And I just... I knew that in, in the midst of this. One of the most powerful things that I remember happening, it was uh, my six-month tumorversary, which I have an annual tumorversary. And, but on the six-month mark um, in 2014, I, I had an MRI, and, um, and the MRI was uh, 
they, they couldn't understand why the tumor was growing again because they had to leave some of it in it from the surgery. And so it was, it was growing and now at an exponential rate. So my, my neurosurgeon is like, oh my goodness, we're going to have to like, go in and we're going to have to you know, do stuff and, and radiation and whatnot. And I said, you know what, we're just going to pause for a moment. I want to have, we'll have an MRI in a few weeks. And I said, I just, we just want to pray about this. And we put it up on social media again and just had thousands of people that were praying for us. And we, we went back, did the MRI, came back in my neurosurgeon's office, and, and he's like, well, I don't really understand this. He says, brain tumors don't do this, but it stopped growing immediately. Like, and I'm like, there's only one reason why that's the case. And then I got to share the gospel with them, and it was awesome, because it's like, man, my God can do crazy things. And uh, just, it was remarkable to be a part of that story with the body of Christ that... Um, was I just knew I was a part of something. Watching those armies that, you know, I just felt like just the random guy in the 144th row, fourth from the left, and just like going. <laughs> but I felt a part of something and, and knew that I was being covered. The, the other thing, can I just You're keep good. going? Okay, You're good. fantastic. Um, the, here's the other no, thing that I learned is um, I realized what, happens when we cultivate a lifestyle of prayer in our own hearts. Because I had, for the past um, five or six years, I had really been um, going after, like, what does it look like to just hear the voice of God on a regular basis, daily basis, and to, to seek his, his face and his voice and um, to live in the Spirit. And um, the, the moment that we, my, my neurosurgeon walked into, the, um, into my room prior to my surgery, and he says, you have three options, when he was just telling me about what I had. He says, you got three options. You can have me do this, the surgery right now. You can stay at this hospital, have somebody else do it, or we can transfer to you, you to another hospital and have somebody else do the surgery. So I'm like, the, the common denominator of surgery. <laughs> that I don't know anything else about doctors or brain tumors. And so he left, and we started praying, and I just heard God say these three names to me. And the names are um, the one lady who was the charge nurse in the cardiac unit at, um, that I'd um, been really close friends with um, at Mission. One was the head of another whole wing at Mission Hospital, and another person that was a part of medical, and his wife had a brain tumor, and they were at Mission Hospital. So these three names popped into my head. And I know them very well, but they're kind of hard to get in touch with, you know? So, so I usually, you know, it's like a day later that I hear back from them. And within 15 minutes, one of them was in Iceland, and had somehow like connected her husband who, you know, and he walked in our room within 15 minutes of, of us praying this prayer about these three people and all three of them said the same thing. They said, you're right where you belong. Like this is exactly where you need to be. And we were just like, oh my goodness, God totally spoke to us. But what I learned in that, in that moment was it was because I had been cultivating this life of prayer, cultivating what it looks like for us to hear the voice of God. And then the most profound one for me um, in this journey was two nights, uh, two nights after my surgery. And, um, and, you know, there's lots of drugs and stuff, right, with surgery. So I don't really, you know, I think it was like three in the morning, but it was something like that. And, but I heard, I heard God speak, and he said something really profound to me. He said, if you could have either your healing 
if you were to choose your healing or my glory, which one would you pick right now? And man, that was so hard because now I'm dealing with the fact that I'm, I'm deaf and I'm a musician by like trade and that's what I've done my entire life. I've my face sliding off of my face and I don't under, like, that's not real fun. I'm in so much pain. And so I, I sat there and prayed and, 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 you know, cried out to him. And I just said, you know what? If, if you're in this, if you're leading this and, and you're leading me in this, I'm like, I'm in, I'm all for your glory. Like, I want to follow you in this. It, and knowing that they're not mutually exclusive, knowing that it's not that he's saying one or the other, but he's just saying, what does your heart long for? And um, something profound happened the next day because I thought I was like, oh, yes, I made the right choice. Fantastic. Blessing. Come on, look, you know, or something. And the next morning I heard the same voice again. He's saying, hey, today, how about today? What do you want more? Do you want your healing more or do you want me more? And... Um, and on and on and on I've heard that. But, but I realized that moment that has been so profound in my life to, to anchor me in him as opposed to something else, a distraction or something else I might want, was anchored in the fact that I, um, in prayer, of, of uh, cultivating this life of prayer. And so super grateful for that moment and super powerful for, for us as we went on the journey. So when we look at where you're at now, you're not the worship pastor at Mariners anymore. Um, you're serving still in ministry. You're with an organization called I Like Giving. You're cultivating generosity in the people of God, still doing ministry. You're here with us. You're serving. In fact, after church today, you got, your van is already packed. Your four kids, I don't know how, you got all four kids here dressed. They look beautiful. Your van is packed. You guys are going to Forest Home again for family camp this That's week. Right. And everybody was happy, well-fed, and here at like 745. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> that is ultimately the, the greatest miracle that has happened. That's um, true. That would not happen in the Davis home. Um, my wife's not here, so I can say that this service. Um, but God has brought a, a song to you guys. And uh, you shared this a couple years ago. And um, this song has been part of your story. And just tell us about the song and then share the song with us. Uh, this is just a song that we kind of claimed as ours when we got engaged. And um, we had it sung at our wedding. And we've had the privilege of singing it all over the world. We um, were singing it actually on NATO headquarters on 9-11 when America had been attacked. And um, military heads came in and escorted us off campus because NATO was an international target. And um, this song, through seasons of life, has been very powerful for us. But um, in John, through John's um, brain tumor journey and since that day forward, um, you know how you worship a little differently, right? We worship differently as God brings circumstances into us and we're desperate for him. And so this is just a special prayer of ours, and we invite you to make this your prayer as well. Wise in times when 
we don't know. Let this be our prayer when we lose our way. Lead us to a place and guide us with your grace to a place where we'll be La luce che tu dai. Pray we'll find your light. Nel cuore resterà. And we'll hold it in our hearts. Ricordarci che. When stars go out each night. L'eterna stella sei. Nella mia preghiera. When shadows fill our day, lead us to a place. Guide us with your grace. And give us faith, so we'll be safe. Sogniamo un mondo senza più. Un mondo di giustizia e di speranza Ognuno di là, ma vicino Simbolo di pace, di fraternità
All right, I'm wrecked. Man, every time. Uh, thank you, guys. Um, thank you for your story, for your gift of ministering to us today. Um, my prayer is that you're inspired to get on your knees and go before the Lord. Um, super powerful. I, I believe that we need to have faith, faith enough to pray. Um, that's the question that Jesus finishes that parable in Luke 18. He says, when the Lord comes back, will he find faith or have we lost it? Because we weren't getting the answers that we wanted in the time that we wanted. God is on the move and God wants to do something in your life. And so here's the question that I have for you. We, we can get that up there. Is, is what's the battle? What is the battle for you? Where is God directing you, where is it? On a big level, a macro level, what is your battle that needs prayer today? And it might be small, and I believe that God cares about the little things as well. So what is it? We're gonna take action to this today, and this is what it's going to look like. Um, see back in front of you, we have the card, and today I, I want us to all grab it. Um, there are weeks that there are some of you that you fill it out faithfully every week. And we know that because we see your name and we pray for you faithfully every week. And some of you are, I'm, I'm, I'm not a visitor. I'm not, I'm not a guest. I don't need to do this. But we all have something in our life that we need prayer for. And so I'm going to have Ron and the worship team come up and they're going to they're gonna just give us a little bit of uh, music in the background. But I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes to, to literally stop right now and to write down what is the battle in front of you? What is the battle ahead of you that needs prayer today? And just write it down. And then pray. And I want to give you a couple of options. We have these prayer points. They're both on both sides over here. Uh, I'm going to invite if you are a pastor, if you're an elder, if you're a director, or if you're a Christian who knows how to pray, that you can come up here and you can pray. We can pray for one. It's not just the pastors that do this, that we as a community can do it. And, and that you take the card and you say, this is it. This is what I'm here. This is the battle in front of me. And this is what needs prayer in my life right now. And if there are too many people up here, then find somebody next to you. Find your spouse, but that we enter into a time of prayer for one another. And we lift those prayers up to God. And we do this as a battle. Because we believe that prayer is a weapon. And if you struggle with that, and if that is not where you're at, then your prayer and your battle today is, God, give me faith that I would trust you in this. So we're going to pray. But I want you to take a couple minutes right now. Write down, what is it? What is your battle? And really listen to the heart of God. What are the issues that you are struggling with right now? Where do you need hope? Where do you need salvation? Where do you need a miracle? Write it down. It could be one word. You could fill up every empty space on the card. You can grab another one. And then I'll pray for us and we'll move into a time of prayer as worship and then we'll worship through music. Take a couple minutes.